Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. Okay, Arastu. Hi. Valerie. Hello. Hi. I'm going to dive right in. Arastu, I heard Griffin actually told Valerie and I that you guys had a psycho party at Nikki's doing a little bit of research for the upcoming show, The Lesher. Is is that true? Yes, that's very true. <laughs> it is a ritual of ours with Synergy Theater to get together a few times before we, uh, aside from rehearsals, we get together for fun at someone's home who was very generous to offer their space. And we sometimes watch a movie in the genre that we're working on just to get a sense of it, a feel for how they move, how they speak, mainly focusing more so on how they speak and communicate and some basic tropes of the genre. And we sometimes it's a potluck style, so we bring in a lot of food and watch a movie together. And we also sit around and just talk a lot about what we've learned from watching the movie that we see and how we could apply it to what we do on stage. It's very fun. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. And so in this case, it was Psycho. And had you had you seen the film before? And this film came out originally in 1960 and is, of course, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. I had seen it many, many years ago, decades ago. And I remembered, of course, the main beats of it. But rewatching it again recently, it was eye-opening in so many other ways because we know we've been, been talking about Hitchcock a lot and rehearsing this concept. So... For me, it was very illuminating, more so in the sense of not so much the plot, because that I already knew, but more so in the sense of how Hitchcock writes his dialogue, how these characters talk to each other is really one way that I can connect more to his style. So the dialogue for me was really fun to listen to and just see how the characters carry themselves and play it out. Would you mind describing the first few parts of the movie of Psycho? Oh, absolutely. So I forgot the name of the, uh, the female character. Marion works for or I think a real estate company. And her employer gives her a large sum of money to put into the bank. And Marion was also seeing a gentleman. And so it was in her mind to steal this money because she was giving it this large sum. And so she runs off with it and she has turmoil with it. She's conflicted by this, but nonetheless, she does it anyway. And the broad strokes are as she's traveling to her ultimate destination for an evening, she stops up at the infamous Bates Motel, where of course she runs into Norman Bates and she has her own room. She's hiding this money. People are getting wind of uh, the sense that this money is gone and she's missing. So there are people looking for her. The money is 
in her suitcase. And then she puts the suitcase in her trunk and starts to have a very awkward acquaintance with Norman Bates. He offers to bring her food to her and they eat food in his back office. There's like taxidermy animals there. She goes to her room for the night. Norman Bates, of course, is having this conversation with his mother in his house and his mother is very disapproving of him and kills Marion in the while she's taking a shower. And then she was seen with a knife in the shower. And the wonderful music by Bernard Herrmann, mm-hmm. a very um, kind of staccato, rhythmic, dissonant string section just beating away. Now, I, I'm pausing right there on the music part. Isn't the whole film scored just using string instruments? I think so. And strings have a great quality of creating tension. Yes. And so going back to the character of Marion, played by Janet Lee, what I really appreciate about the characters that Hitchcock chooses is that they're everyday people and very relatable in that way. You have such great skill in making the characters that you improvise, you make them very relatable. So in your preparation and in watching this film, what do you draw from the film that you will apply to whatever character you choose to make? How will you do that? What will that process be like? No, that's a great question. Of course, I'm not drawing anything from Roland Bates. <laughs> um, that you know of yet. <laughs> well, that's true. That's, that could change. But as far as playing other different types of characters... Thank you, first of all, for mentioning that about me. What I usually go for is relating to characters' needs, objectives, and their emotional states. So, for example, aside from the genre, let's say if I was playing a vampire or a werewolf or some mythical creature, we can't, I can't relate to being a vampire, but I can relate to the human qualities of feeling a sense of loss, of losing a loved one, or having a strong desire for a connection with some human being or feeling jealousy, envy, or joy, love. Those are the things that, regardless of what character that seem very fantastical are, we still relate to that human side of them. So what I tend to do is focus more on that. Like, what does my character want that is a common theme in humanity? So my characters usually go for a lost love or a new love gained. And I, it's interesting that you mentioned this because in this genre, I feel that the characters were more melodramatic in how they react to things, not in a very overt way, not like a soap opera, but yes, basically what I try to do is just focus on more down to earth needs for the characters. Mm -hmm. Well, in the first part of the film, Marion, she's been driving for a long, long time and she's trying to get from Phoenix, Arizona with the money in her possession to Fairvale, California. And there's this part in the beginning part where she's just so tired. She can't drive anymore. She pulls over to, and like takes a nap in her car. Yeah. And then she's woken up by a police officer. Yeah. And And he's stalking her. Yeah. And you as the audience know she's in possession of this money. Well, that's why Hitchcock has coined the master suspense because he's wonderful at creating that tension, you know, even though it doesn't sometimes make sense to me watching his films, like, well, why would this person react in this way? But 
he does these kind of techniques where it's more focused rather than making plot sense. It's more to make your emotions provoked. Yes. So kind of primes the listener and the watcher for something in the future that will then tie into the emotional qualities. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very interested to see what the group does in the, the sense of plot, because what Hitchcock does in Psycho is, is unique and very risky. Because in the beginning, we assume, we as the audience assume that that Marion is the protagonist and will be with us throughout the film. And and then Hitchcock just blows that that assumption up. And then the audience is off center. And then you must, the only other person to identify with is Norman Bates' character. And it's very risky for a storyteller to do that, to to establish the protagonist and then switch after like a third of the way through. Yeah. And, and I know that Synergy Theater and Ken, he teaches classes and, and he teaches the structure of a story and the roles that are very important to have in a story that's well told. Is that something that you have talked about with the other players about twists and how Hitchcock did that and delivered that and did that so well? 100% actually our Hitchcock show will be mainly inspired by Psycho. And that's the one where we're getting the most inspiration from for our show because it's the most horror slasher style film of his that I've seen. And it's one of the most commonly known of Hitchcock films. Iconic. So we are playing on that concept of exactly what you just mentioned a potential character where you think might be the protagonist, but could suddenly be removed. We're not going, we don't have it overtly structured where the protagonist will be killed, but Ken has, and I don't want to give too much of it to show away, but suffice it to say, Ken has structured it in a way that focuses on how can we draw suspense in an improv show where we don't know what's going to happen. So we have certain things built into the show, certain game formats that pertains specifically to the protagonist person and to then see if this person will be killed or not. And that is a lot of it is dependent on audience suggestions and how we play it out. It's actually quite new. We've never done anything like this with Synergy. This entire show we've never done before. Oh, I'm and, I'm very interested to hear you say that because I remember watching the Agatha Christie show, and that yeah. that Agatha Christie is a very different flavor of murder mystery. The format there, though, was was really interesting in that there the audience suggested who was removed from the story, and yes. and each time I could never make any suggestion myself because I always didn't want any of you to be removed. But I, <laughs> I, each time I was like, oh my gosh, who's it going to be? And I, <laughs> I remember one time where someone in the audience who just said red dress and I, and I thought, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was so interesting who the audience picked so I was curious as to if you guys were going to do that again, don't answer that because I would like to be surprised by what you choose to do in the show. But I'll just say that was very, very interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this without giving you much of it away. Okay. Uh, it's going to be different than Agatha Christie. We set it up in a way that is 
quite suspenseful and fun to watch because that person may or may not be right. And that's all I'll say. Um, So ultimately, this is one of the most difficult synergy shows we've been rehearsing. First of all, it's very new and we're finding our way through it. But depending on what happens to the protagonist, it can be two different types of shows. It could be a sort of a whodunit, trying to find the true killer type show or not. So, and that all depends on what happens in the first act. That's all I'll say. Whoa, Valerie, what do you think? <laughs> I cannot wait to see this. Yeah. I am so intrigued. Me oh, well. too. <laughs> we still have four more rehearsals to do. We still have a lot more to play with and we'll see how it turns out. I'm, I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. Wow. Arastu, I have to tell you that Valerie's favorite Hitchcock film is The Birds. (laughs) It's just so creepy. Just the fact when you see a flock of birds now and, you know, you don't think about birds attacking, but oh my goodness, like (laughs) any number of animals can just gang up on you. (laughs) So I've had a, you know, side note, I've had a big turkey chase me around my car one time. Oh, those, those turkeys are no joke. And it's it's terrifying. It's a silent invasion. Let me tell you, they stop, they stop traffic in my neighborhood. Oh yeah. You have turkeys too. Flocks of, I'm telling you, they're everywhere. It's an invasion. They're very territorial. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And very vain, by the way, as well. I did see a, a male turkey doing circles around a car that he could see his reflection in. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is so funny. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. No joke. Sir, I'm curious what your favorite Hitchcock film is, if you've seen many. It's, it's hard for me to say, really. I really like Grace Kelly. So I think my first Hitchcock film was probably Rear Window. I also like Cary Grant. So North by Northwest was just so great. And I also recognized that for that film in its scope and cinematography, it was very advanced for its time. So so I would say for story structure, The Lady Vanishes, that Mm. one is great. Strangers on a Train. I really like the not so much the slasher, but more of Hitchcock's manipulation of the audience. And he's spoken about this before in interviews, but he does it purposefully. He, he oh, set, he's, yeah. yeah, he sets the audience up and then he gives them purposefully something else. So again, going back to this show and your preparation, I can't wait. And my imagination is going wild as far as like, well, how's this going to work? How many shows will you guys be doing? Eight total. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then the following four show, four nights as well. Okay. And do you do you have a favorite character within a Hitchcock film that you would like to improvise? That's a great question. Yeah. I'm really enjoying the Cary Grant style character that's very cruel and suave and secure in who they are. Sometimes I tend to might want to play characters that are more nervous and unsure or really yearning for something but his character was something that i want to play with and then try out yeah he was the ultimate smooth yeah absolutely sometimes in that movie north by northwest i definitely appreciate it for its musical score mm-hmm. its cinematography mm-hmm. and it definitely had new concepts the plot and how carrie grit was reacting 
wasn't all the time that interesting for me because it didn't seem that realistic. But nonetheless, there's definitely some qualities of that character that I think can be very fun and charming to play. Yes, he did get by on a lot of just Cary Grant charm. Right, totally. Hmm. And we're getting a lot of inspiration from the female characters, how they they seem to exude more emotionally. And also, you know, Hitchcock has the, well, not as so much as earlier movies, but later on, the the blonde characters. And a lot of the suspense was really focused around those characters. And I really enjoyed watching how they respond to it and feel for them. Yes, like the character in Vertigo, right? I haven't I've, seen that one. Oh, I, I, but okay. I do know what you're talking about. Yes. So that one is is very much centered around a female character who may or may not be who she appears to be. And there's this scene kind of toward the end where you see her, but you you see her again for the first time. And it's a scene in a hallway and it's just remarkable. And and so if you have the opportunity to watch that film, Vertigo, that it's it's incredible. That's a that's another psychological film that keeps you guessing, but also at the same time, the ending seems inevitable. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. And I haven't watched it forever. So maybe I'll watch that one again. If you were a film director, movie director, I don't know if they still call them film directors. If you were a movie director, what type of stories would you want to direct? Do you like the psychological thrillers? I love the psychological thrillers. Yeah. Yeah, I would focus on that genre. I've never really thought thought about doing something like that. I mean, I've written some stories here and there. And I guess it would be my, if I was going to direct a film, I would lean towards the psychological thriller genre. And also more so questioning what reality is and having fun with more esoteric contents. I also really like the character in uh, Dial M for Murder, Tony Wendis, played by Ray Millet. He was the husband of Grace Kelly. Oh, tell me more about that. Again, he was kind of a sort of a Cary Grant style persona. And his character was even keel. And again, I usually play people who are very emotionally volatile. And I still love that more. I like to show emotion, exude emotion to my characters. But again, I want to experiment with playing with these even killed characters and holding that tension to be finally released in some grandiose way. And that's something that we're also very much focused on in this show is to play around with the concept of pausing. So when you actually see the show, you'll notice that we're going to have a lot of silence and characters just looking at each other after something has been said and reacting to it in very subtle ways. We're trying to find ways to improvise how to make the audience feel suspense. So hopefully it'll be clear as to what we're trying to do. Another skill that I, I've seen you deploy is that it, you seem to have an ability to get in tune with the audience and their expectations. And if you're improvising a character, you're very skilled at fulfilling the audience's expectations of that character. So again, I am interested in how you may play with that and then make a different choice. And I think this genre of Hitchcock lends itself to improvisation very well. Valerie, what do you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. 
that's why I'm so excited to see this. Partially because I also like the the period, the time. I remember being so intrigued when you guys did noir. And it, even though it was supposed to be a very dark genre, it was you also made it very lighthearted, just in your very clever way that synergy can take a theme and they will tailor it for the audience. Young and old, everybody was able to relate to that. People who never even heard of noir, like my son, who enjoyed it thoroughly. So that's, again, just looking forward to how you're mixing that period of time, the costume and the suspense in all of October. And I know it's just going to be wonderful. I do love the clothes. I really do. And Grace Kelly is probably in my top two actors as mm -hmm. far as favorites go. And Arastu, what are you looking forward to wearing as far as your costume goes? <laughs> the men have, in a sense, made basic suits of the period, but the women are going to be beautifully decked out. And so I'm really more excited to see how the women, the women always outdress the men in our shows. Oh, they do. I mean, yeah. gosh, they, Nikki, it just goes for it. And then, yes, so does Lynn. And they all just look so amazing. They're going to look incredible. It's nothing dramatic as far as the men go. But from what we've been discussing regarding our set, this might be one of our most elaborate sets. Wow. Oh, oh. <laughs> I can't wait. See how it goes. Well, and I really love Valerie. I really enjoy that you mentioned the noir genre because this has reminiscence of that genre. And noir. When we do improvise the war and this show, these two are going to be my favorites that we're going to be so far have done with Synergy Theater. I love noir as, as well. And Arastu, Valerie, you just made me think about this next question, which is, are you guys going to play with color? And the reason why I ask that is that Psycho was famously shot in black and white, even though yes. Alfred Hitchcock didn't have to, it was 1960. And the shower scene, which is like the slasher scene of the film, there was no color, but it was right. it was still incredibly effective and was. and horrific. Yeah. So, are you are you guys going to play with color at all in yes how you present? Oh, it's going to be mainly done through the lighting, and I'll leave it at that. Oh my god, <laughs> there's only so much we can do. But through definite points, there will be a lighting change, and especially at the top of the show. I've composed a little piece of music for the intro opening of the show. Oh, wonderful. When you, and in the style of, you know, I, I say this with humility, in the style of Bernard Herman. And Ooh. so when Ken's character first enters the stage, it'll have the music playing and you'll see a color change and it'll be hopefully a good intro to set the stage for the emotional expectations of the rest of the, of the play. And as going back to, well, there's a question you asked me, Sarah, earlier, is how I fulfill audience expectations. Doing improv now for almost 11 years and being with Synergy Theater for seven years and working under the brilliance of Ken Adams, we've all, all of us have gathered a good sense of where the story should go, what should happen to these characters and why. So in the sense of justifying what happened previously, to what should happen next in the most logical sense. That's usually how my mind is problem solving what to do next and what the audience should see and what makes sense to them. I love to see an improviser such as yourself 
work through that, discover that, and then be supported in that by the rest of the cast. Yeah. And, and then immediately respond to your choices. And it's just a wonderful thing to see. It is. And and I really say this with absolute truth and honesty and right sound cliche, but I'm only as good as the rest of the players. That's why I'm so honored to be part of this company. Everyone is so wonderful and they bring their own sense of strengths. And they make it so much easier for each person to look good. Let's talk about a little bit more about your composing and the music that you're bringing to the show. Maybe we could preview a little bit of it here on the podcast. <laughs> well, I'll just put that out there. And so could you give us a little bit more about your background? You, Arastu, composed yeah. the theme song for this podcast. And could you give us a little bit more of a background with composing music, what it means to you? And then how do you compose a a piece of music that communicates an off-kilter, tense, moody atmosphere. Great. Well, to answer the first part of your question, I, my dad would tell me a story that when I was a little baby, two years old or something in that range, a toddler, he would sit me in front of the radio and I would, and when there's this news program that whatever it would conclude, they would play this orchestral piece and he would say, I would pretend to be conducting it as a little kid. So music, the love of music for me has been with me as far back as I can remember. Just finding music, listening to it, my, my sister's music. She's older than I was, older than I am rather. And so I would just get influenced from anything. And I would play video games and love the music and games. And at the end of high school, I took some piano lessons here and there. But by the end of high school, I was introduced to computer software. This is back in 1998. So it was very rudimentary. But nonetheless, I went to sound engineering school, met a ton of musicians there and composers in all the genres. And it was a really wonderful, immersive environment, collaborated with a few people and just on my own, by just listening to music, in a sense, just taught myself how to go about this art form. And as it pertains to this show, then creating tension, a lot of it is done with what's called kind of dissonance and not resolving things harmonically. I don't know if that makes much sense. So just creating tension and dragging out emotional vibes and suddenly coming to some abrupt resolution. Something that sounds, doesn't even have to be dramatically dissonant, just slightly off, could create a sense of tension and make people uneasy. I could could play you a little bit of what I have if you'd like to hear. Oh, yes, please. Oh, yes. No, no joke. I just got chills. <laughs> Me and, too. <laughs> and and then my chills got chills. <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh, and so suspenseful. That was 
Oh my god! Uh, I won't tell you what's going to happen while it's playing, but it's going to be a fun instrument to our show for Ken. Oh, so good! Thank Are, you. As preparing for this show, does it affect the cast to to put yourself in a certain mindset? It's kind of the mindset of like looking over your shoulder constantly, feeling like oh. you're you're being watched or um, <laughs> or followed in preparing for the show and watching these films and and playing off each other. Is the creepy feeling kind of hard to shake sometimes after a rehearsal? That's a great question. I can't speak for anyone else, and no one's ex- uh, expressed this to me. But for me, that hasn't been my experience because mainly for the reason that we're so. It's such a technical rehearsal and we're so focused on the technique and the whole process of figuring this out, what the show is going to eventually become that that emotional sense of what you're describing is, hasn't really sunk in with us right now because it's been too much uh, focusing on the how rather than the other aspects of it for now. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure that the emotion will come because that is the grit of a Hitchcock film. For sure. Is, is the, the toying with the depth of emotion. And it's all emotion from, I don't know what better way to put it, but all emotion from like the dark side. So like paranoia and anxiety, and it'll be absolutely perfect for October 20th through the 30th. Don't you think? <laughs> I 100% agree. There have been moments, though, in the rehearsal where some characters that, like, for example, there was one comment made about something that I had done where everyone said, oh, man, because we talk about what we just did and we do note sessions and people have said that, oh, that felt really suspenseful and that was made me feel uncomfortable watching it in a good way. So there have been moments during the rehearsal where we we have felt those vibes. And the character that Ken is going to play, I'm not going to give too much of it away, but the way he's going to play it is going to hopefully make people feel that uneasiness as well. Oh my gosh. It's going to be great. Valerie, do you have any questions for Arastu? No, except just bring on the show. I can't. I don't think I can. I can wait much longer. Valerie, are you prepping all of your cameras? I know you're going to have two, but are you thinking about maybe having a third at this point? You know, this... It could be worthy. This could be a three-camera show. <laughs> I feel like getting all the good angles. It's sounding like, yeah. And Arastu, I wish that I could wave a magic wand and then and have your soundtrack for sale at, at the shows. I, <laughs> I, I, I really wish that I could just, you know, make that well, happen. Well, that makes two of us. I mean, it's, only, it's most likely going to only be the one piece that you just heard. There might be a second piece. I'm not sure. Ken and I have to talk about how that could work, but I really appreciate the sentiment. Yes, that would be, I think that would be great. And people would really like that. Is there anything else that you would like to communicate about the show? Something that we haven't touched on that you would like to talk about? This has for me been one of the most difficult shows we've ever been rehearsing for Synergy Theater in my seven years with them. It's been the most innovative, I would say, as far as what you're going to see on stage how we play it out and the idea that this could be two different genres and what is a new concept for us. And it's been very challenging, but in a very positive, joyful way and playing with the concept of slowing down 
building suspense and also the idea that Alfred Hitchcock himself came up with, which is something called a MacGuffin. I don't know. I'm sure I'll explain what that is briefly as how I understand it anyway. MacGuffin is when a story is revolves around an object, not a person or a living thing, but an object like, for example, a necklace or lost treasure or whatever it is, where people are trying to attain this object, but it's, the story doesn't, it's not about the thing, but about how anyone around all the characters and the relationships and emotions are affected because of the object. So that's another concept that may or may not come up in our shows for this genre. So we've been really learning a lot of new things for this. And it's one of our most innovative shows. And I really want to express that. It's one of our most innovative shows. So please, if you love Hitchcock and want to experience for me improv, which I think Synergy Theater, I don't really think of us as an improv company. I might've mentioned this in the past. I view us as a theater company that improv is just another thread in the tapestry of theater. and. And I attribute that wonderful realization as to what this genre of improv can really become is because of Ted Adams. It's going to be a great show. I'm really looking forward to it. I agree. And I'm looking forward to it for those exact same reasons. And I love the concept of the MacGuffin. And so I don't know the answer to this question, but I have to ask it. In Psycho, what's the MacGuffin? You know, we've been debating this <laughs> in our company. Some people say the money is the MacGuffin, but I... No, well, because the money goes down, it goes into the... The money park. goes down and no one's really focused on the money. Right, and so. then it's, it's yeah. What do you think? Valerie? Hmm. I've, I've been thinking about that and I, I'll get back to you. Okay. <laughs> I don't know yet. Don't I, know. I have a guess. You guys tell me what you think. A, a MacGuffin does not have to be a physical thing it can be a goal it doesn't have to be tangible oh, okay. in, in my mind um it's just the thing that that everyone else pivots around in a story so so my guess is the MacGuffin of psycho would be identity oh that's a cool concept oh there you go i that's... think i think that's the thing because in the beginning we meet marion and we think that she's one type of character and then then we find out she's another type of character and then she's gone and then we meet norman bates and we think he's one type of character and then his identity shifts and then shifts again and then maybe again um (laughs) and so i i would think that the MacGuffin in psycho would be the concept of what is the character's true identity i love that idea i'll take it that's my idea. So I'm, I, I'm looking forward to how Synergy Theater will, I know you guys are going to play with identity during the show. I can just feel it. And, we are. Yeah. And so the, attaining that, that truthful representation of the true identity of a character, I have no doubt that you guys will attain that and it will be great. <laughs> Thank you. I, I look forward to it. I hope so. Yes. And thank you so much, Arasu, for sharing your music with us. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Arasu, how could they do that? They can go. I'm on Instagram. Uh, my Rob Arasu direction. Just search for my name. And that's probably the best way to find Or you can go to arasu.co, 
myfirstaid.com, A-R-A-S-T-O-O.com. That'll take to a video page and you can, eventually I'll turn that into a full website, but for now, it'll take you to my video page. You can also send me a message directly through that. This is always such a treat. And Sarah, you have the greatest question. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You you really do. Thank you both. Thank you both for uh, having me on here. I love it. And thank you for the conversation. It was wonderful, both of you. And thank you so much for taking the time. And you guys are both awesome. We'll see you at the lecture. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to SynergyTheater.com and click on School of Improv. Synergy Theater offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theater is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. Synergy Theater is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. Thank you.